with Mr. Alvin Lee and 10 years after our usual theme song intro and out and kicking us kind of off uh, quite prophetic for uh, what that was in the late 70s best I remember so that was 40 something years ago a lot of insight Mr. Lee Roger Sales here with you in the Monday edition of the Radio Ranch got a bunch of good guys on the board already and uh, it's of course the people's People's pit, pit, I better say it right, and I? People's Patriot Network, say it quick ten times. And uh, it's 22221, February 22nd, 21, 22221. My daddy would say 22 is my favorite number. And uh, it is a Monday, and it looks like it's going to be quite a week. There's a lot of stuff brewing, obviously. There's all kinds of things starting to develop. And we got some kind of a financial catastrophe that it appears that we're facing right now. In fact, the Brazilian, I saw a headline, didn't look at the story. Bolsonaro's down there appointed some military general to head Petro, Petrobas, I believe is what they call their whatever their oil company is, they got a giant find they found, they found, discovered, don't forget, maybe, I don't know, 15 years or so ago, 10, 10, 15 years ago, they found a huge bunch of reserves, but they're about, they're right within the 200-mile limit of Brazil, and it takes a lot of money to drill out there. Um, anyway, appointed this general as the head of uh, the oil company, and all of a sudden all the investors want to pull out, and they don't, nobody uh, thinks he can run it very well, so the chances of investment uh, don't look too good, especially with that scenario of them having oil offshore. I was um, one of the folks that has started communicating with me a little bit on the email since the Spingola show and sent me some stuff about Libya. And the one thing I remember about Libya, I got into this conversation with him, and it bears on what we're talking about there with Brazil and oil, um, that um, Libya, one of the reasons that Libya's oil is so renowned is it's the lightest, what they call the lightest, sweetest crude in the world. In other words, it, you, it needs less going through the uh, the big mill over there and it's easier to process and uh within the last number of years they found a pool that even rivals libya's or eclipses it and it's down here in south america uh by the way i was thinking as i was thinking this and writing him responding last night that um it seems to me that it was armand hammer who discovered the oil in libya you know, Armand Hammer was one of the hierarchies of these guys. He's been dead a long time. A lot of his uh, residuals live on Armand Hammer baking soda. Uh, but uh, he, I think he's the one that discovered uh, the oil in, in, in Libya originally. Regardless, there's been a new pool of this stuff found, and it's in a really unusual situation. It's in uh, an area where if you're familiar with where Venezuela 
lies in the scope of things down here. Over to the east of Venezuela, it adjoins with a small little country called Guiana. And then Guiana and Venezuela both border to the south, Brazil, except that there is a huge area, 40, 50 square miles or something there, that's been a disputed area between those three countries vying for it for over 50 years. It goes back pre or at the founding of the United Nations, I believe. And the big pool of this new light, sweet crude sits under it. Now, some of the pool has been over on Guiana, and the Chinese have been over there helping them develop some offshore rig and tap it offshore. Uh, I don't know how much of it they're doing on Guiana land, but that's, that's going to come up in the future. Is this huge area of disputed land between those three countries with this mammoth pool of, this, of the lightest, sweetest oil on the face of the planet on, under it. So that's an interesting situation over here to the east of us in Ecuador. Um, don't know how that came up. But anyway, starting off the Monday, there's certainly going to be some financial um, stuff happening. It looks like the bond yields have dropped this morning. That would be your treasury bonds, by the way. The stuff that you before, if you filed an affidavit, technically anyway, you're no longer the collateral for that, although I'm sure you're being used as such. They wouldn't stop the machine and go, oh, look, Chris got to found our little trap door out. I guess we'll have to pull him out of the mechanism. But theoretically, you're not their property anymore. So in essence, that happens. Let's see if I can find here. Bond yields tumble as central bank jawboning begins. Now, we haven't talked about this in some time, but this is going to be an important part of whatever's coming is the bond market. And there may be some of you you haven't heard this stuff we've covered previously. I learned a lot of this stuff from listening to Robbie Noel years ago because I didn't know it when I was introduced to it. Bonds are, of course, the root word of bondage. So that's a good place for us to start looking at it. And we know that we've been the collateral for it, and they've been securitizing our future labor via the income tax to pay off the bondholders that invest in the day-to-day -day running of the country. I would venture back at this point, if you're not familiar with this, there was a commission, a presidential commission in the 80s, about the mid-80s, a little before, called the Grace Commission. You can go look it up, put it in a search engine. Uh, and it'll come up for you. It was headed by a very respected guy named Peter Grace, I believe was his name. And it was set up by uh, the last conservative president we had, Reagan. Uh, and it was trying to ascertain ways to trim down the federal government. What does that mean? It means a bureaucracy, the administrative state. Man, that thing's growing like, you know, yeast. Put it over in a dark corner and come back, takes up the whole corner. Well, that's the uh, administrative state. What, are, what rules us as long as we're citizens of the United States and, and residents of a state and we're affected by what's called not law because now you're a piece of property. So you're not affected by law. You're affected by this mysterious phrase called public policy, which is the man-made laws for the new serfs. 
I mean, that's it. So Grace's uh, commission found a lot of things, I guess. But one of the statements in there, and I used to say penny. Somebody corrected me and said nickel. Um, but Peter Grace made the statement, not one nickel of your income tax goes to the day-to-day running of the federal government. Well, first of all, how does it run? Well, it runs through the bondholders. This is bond market that's three to ten times as big as the stock market, by the way. That's the big gorilla in the room. Okay, And so on uh, Peter Grace said uh, something additional that I thought was interesting, and I'd never heard before. This friend of mine down in Panama City told me, uh, and he said, a third of it goes to pay the operations, you know, employees. They don't call him the commissioner for nothing, et cetera. You know, all the agents get a cut off what they seize, no doubt. And so he says a third of it then goes to pay the bondholders. The, he said go to pay, pays the debt. Well, he didn't specific. What's the debt? The bondholders. Okay. And a third of it goes uncollected. So a third of it goes to pay overhead, a third of it goes to pay the bondholders, and a third of it remains uncollected because you deadbeats don't have anything left for them to steal. (laughs) Do their little scheme since you're property now and all. So uh, this bond market's pretty important, all right? And uh, the confusing thing about bonds is they have what's called and termed an inverse relationship an inverse relationship so the headline says bond yields tumble which means they go down and the inverse relationship means the price goes up there's a monkey that's joined us The price goes up. That's the inverse relationship. Well, when a price goes up, just like it did with the GameStop recently, uh, you know, a lot of people start saying, is this where I need to sell? What's the rest of the situation look like? I'm a somewhat savvy investor. Everything else looks like pretty close to hell in a handbasket. These yields are going down, which means I get less for my investment long term. Okay, and and so what what should I do, man? Bitcoin spiked over fifty thousand dollars, but gold and silver have still been suppressed low because that's the linchpin of everything of the illusion. So what do I do? Should I sell now? Can I get out of the door before everybody else has the same decision on what I've been thinking? And we all try to get out at the same time and then we can't get out. That's what that means. Okay, so it's a very precarious situation. Remember, last week we talked about it, kind of speculated. Cliff High, uh, uh, who's when he's in the immediate area of looking at his data and doing his thing, he's usually really, really correct. And he predicted the 24th. Well, today's the 22nd. That means Wednesday's going to be some kind of a day, whether it'll be a bond market, whether it'll be a stock market, whether it'll be uh, the, the exchanges in London are out of silver. Uh, the silver game's just about to play out. Uh, a combination of all of them. One of them's going to trigger the other one. Who knows? But point being with all that dialogue and buildup is that we got a hell of a week. We had not seen a week like this financially in front of us. Uh, in quite some time, to my knowledge. So I thought that was one way to start off the show. 
and we can come back and discuss aspects of that. I particularly have spent much time over the years trying to figure out this financial situation and how it intertwined with the legal and the political situations. And over many years, I think I've got a pretty good handle on it, and I try and break it down as simply as possible so that you guys can understand it. Uh, here's something else. Late last week, because Brent was on Friday, I don't think we talked about it, but I spent a little bit of time on another uh, follow-up document to uh, the matrix is how to escape the matrix and that is a step-by-step -step way to file an affidavit and uh, as I said in there in the at the start of it tried to make it two pages again and somewhat brief and I did it with simple steps on both approaches and then a, a, a description underneath uh, with without a passport application and then with a passport original or renewal and uh, explain to people and as I said at the start it's I've never done that before because it's never really been an issue before up to now it's finding people that listen and getting them trained in case they've got to be able to defend this well a couple of things have happened one is we've gotten tremendously better at simplification of the concepts and how to present them to people where you can get people up to speed one heck of a lot quicker than the other way just period hands down okay and the other is of course there's so many people that are looking for answers and if this sparks and I, there's I, seems like there's going to be a point i may be wrong but it sure seems to me there's going to be a, we'll get a spark somewhere there's an ember sitting over there and and we're somebody's ready to throw some gasoline on it okay and so we'll see but our job in the meantime is to continue to put one foot in front of the other, get get command of the information as well as we can personally, because that's your empowerment process, and that's how you're going to empower others. And then to uh, get as good at that game as we possibly can until the time comes to throw the match to the gasoline. So uh, that's kind of the way I've been looking at this. At this point, that was a... I thought a valid suggestion, and so I wrote it out. I haven't posted it anywhere yet, but it may be posted somewhere soon. And if any of you want to get that little uh, deal, just send me an email at uh, radioranchatmail.com, and I'll shoot that back to you. Uh, just put you know, Roger, steps, steps. I'm not sure whether it was Mao or Stalin, but you, I think the term that you're looking for is you're lighting brush fires in the minds of men. Well, it was one of our guys that said that, I thought. But, uh, yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. So, you know, somebody lit it for me, and uh, I just know that it's my duty to try and put it out in front of as many people as possible. I also pretty, pretty easily see that it's a remedy that we can exercise that they, A, got no defense for and b stand mute of and c i believe they're scared as crap of this thing doing exactly what we're talking about as of this morning the supreme court has refused certiorari on the pennsylvania case did you know that yet chris I had not heard that part yet. I've heard that they're attacking Mike Lindell's case uh, with a bunch of spurious, defamatory, um, just ad hominem attacks like they always do, trying to frame the blame on the victim and use 
vague and ambiguous equivatory terms to assassinate the enemy or their adversary in this case may not be the it's their enemy we're not their enemy they just hate us with a passion no we we are their enemy they declared war on us with the bankruptcy remember they took the trading with the enemies act from 1917 and lifted the word german and put citizen of the united states in there they are at war with you that's why it's even more imperative for you to get your ass out. You got an avenue, you got an option. Now, the question is, do you have any balls? Because that seems to be the, the line of demarcation with people. Okay? You can learn it all and this, that, and the other, but you're still going to stay in the system. Excuse me, why are you wanting to continue to empower these people that you hate that are ruining the world that are Satan's children? Why do you want to continue empowering them? And the only way you can unempower them is to remove yourself from the cog of the machine. And we can do that. We know how to do it. We've been doing it for 11 years now with people, and there's never been one single case of blowback, and there's never been one single case of refusal with the exception for somebody that has gone over these limits. You know, you got over $50,000 in collections in your slave account, okay, in IRS. Well, and, and I'm going to tell you, they won't. The filing this affidavit does not take care of previously entered your your volunteerism or not into any of their contracts. And they will get their pound of flesh out of your rear end on your way out the door if they can. That's why the best subject here are people that come to this totally clean with clean slates with all of those creeps. Then it's a cakewalk. And it's, it's spelled out in this two-page document how to, how to, uh, uh, how to uh, get out. I don't know if I've really formally even titled it yet, but anyway, it's the two ways approaches with pretty detailed information, including a state department's 800 number if you want to call to track your passport and what address to send it to, how to address the envelope, how to do the cover letter, how to get it notarized, even if you're sending it in without a passport. We mentioned this last week for the people that are still squeamish. I'm not being saying that negatively. I understand people's qualms. You've been heavily programmed your whole life with super sophisticated Pavlovian conditioning to stay in your slave condition. And you're like Spartacus. You're waking up and going, well, to hell with that. I'm going to go join the rebels. All right. And so uh, when you do that, if you're still, if you can't afford to have a passport application, there's a number of people that can't afford to have a passport application. Okay. And uh, just because you can't afford a passport, that doesn't mean you can't volunteer out of a servitude position. You know, they didn't have passports back in the feudal era. Oh, hey, well, you got your passport to go over to the next manor, do you? Well, here, we'll stop you at the gate there and put your visa stamp in there. You can only stay over there 90 days, you know. Okay, well, they don't have any of that back in the feudal system. So, but you could volunteer out, even if it was your great, 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 great grandfather that volunteered the family in. 
So you can do it with a cold piece of paper and one statement. I, under penalty of perjuries, the laws of the United States of America, declare the following. I wish to be a U.S. national and not a citizen of the United States, and you're done. There ain't one court case. There ain't one statute. There ain't one regulation. There's nothing nothing ambiguous about that statement but it severs the presumption of law that you've been agreeing with that you're in that condition now you've taken their power away because they can't make man-made laws to over and control you and ding you and you're pulled out at least symbolically out of their financial machine, fulfilling the requirements of the dictum in Revelation 18. Come out of her, my people, come out of her. Now, I see there are people that see this and don't even recognize it. I, I have to wonder because a common thread over many, many years for me in putting this in front of people that either don't see it or turn their nose up at it is they don't have a spiritual gene. Somehow their spiritual gene got, you know, uh, messed up in the soup somewhere. Okay. And uh, I would even give you an absolutely topical, perfect example. And it's one that's frustrating to me. Okay. And that's Dennis Fetch. Okay. And I was listening to his show Saturday. And at the end of his show, he's, you know, ranting and raving. He goes, why isn't anybody intelligently attacking this problem? I heard him say it publicly at the close of the show. Well, why isn't it in? Why isn't anybody intelligently receiving the information? Why doesn't this register with some people? So they don't have the spiritual connection. And over all the years that I've listened to Dennis's show, I don't think I've ever heard him make one spiritual connection on anything that he's ever gone over. All he talks about is two areas: he bashes the Jews, and he talks about his cats. He's looking for a leader instead of taking personal responsibility. Well, well, that may be it, Jeff. But that to me, there's a, there's a there's a, and I'm not being critical of Dennis. I think he's a. I wish he could channel it and get on track so he could take all the energy he's expending and the people that are listening to him. Evidently, there's quite a number because right now what he's doing is urinating up a rope. And you could harness that and utilize it and focus it, but when you don't even see it and it's passed right in front of you, it was even more embarrassing than that, really, that day from somebody that's been around broadcasting, myself personally, for many years. Let me clear my throat here. Thank you. Um, that day, I'd been wanting to be on a show for a long time because of his audience and his passion and his subject matter and uh so finally somehow we got into a situation and i uh got on he invited me on we get on i was doing the approach somewhat like i was doing with deanna in fact that's kind of where i pioneered it with that day with dennis and um got to the point and said well we're in the feudal system i said what do you know about the feudal system and it hit him and he said absolutely nothing and right then, we had technical problems. We didn't have the last 20 minutes of the show. And he and I got together after and spoke for a while. But it gets us late over there, different time of day or whatever, but about 40 minutes. And he said, I remember him saying this. He said, I don't care. I don't want to learn. I have to learn all that stuff, something to that. I, to that. You got to learn all this other stuff. 
Well, I mean, you're, it's your freedom, man. <laughs> What's your freedom worth to you? Hell, at least you don't have to pay for it. All you have to do is learn it. Okay. And he said, all I care about, he said, I've talked to a couple other guys. And he mentioned a few other people's name. Bork may have been one of them. Uh, and, uh, he said, all I care about is, can I get a passport? And you say yes. And I said, yep. He said, that's all I care about. So I guess when Dennis time for Dennis's passport to get renewed, whenever the hell that is, he may get interested. I guess the real question there would be which passport will he get? Well, it's up to him. It depends on whether he wants to listen or not. You know, uh, he even has trouble with, uh, uh, anyway, that's a situation, and that's what he stated that at the end of the close of the show, why doesn't anybody approach this? I don't remember if he said intellectually or intelligently, one of them, but after I picked my jaw up off the ground and I just shook my head and went on, you know, and I'm, I'm, I realize more by the day that, this and I keep telling you folks this how special you are because this doesn't register with everybody, even though it's as blatant a truth as as you can put in front of people. Pretty simply these days, it just doesn't register with people. And if it does, they're too conditioned and too scared to learn about it and make a move and step forward with it. Well, that's just the dilemma. Uh, that's the dilemma we got is that that's, that's a bunch of the people, and it even makes the ones that do adhere and recognize and feel like I did. And I think this happened. I, I sensed it with a couple of people that responded in email from that interview with Deanna. I didn't know Jack Boo. My, the extent of my legal knowledge was Perry Mason, okay? At the point I sat down in front of these guys, John and Glenn, and got my head turned just like a number of you have, okay? You sit down to this information the first time, and it leaves you spinning for a little bit. Man, I understand it, okay, because it does that way with everybody. But yet, even though there was tons of misunderstanding, you knew there was something of great substance there. And I remember that was my initial, I don't understand what the hell they're talking about, maybe just a little on the fringe, but I know that this is really important information. And that's what sucked me through there, and I was just dying to learn about it. And so, uh, and I, maybe it needs to be said again, that John and Glenn, the feds only allowed them to teach six months. Now, this was in 1992, okay? Only allowed them to teach six months. Unless your name's Roger Stone or something like that these days, those guys don't get mobilized to do anything that quick for nothing. This was 30 years ago. And so out of that six months, they taught 1,200 students. I've mentioned a couple of the other ones, the late Sir Richard McDonald, who you still see his name pop around. Great, fantastic, great researcher. He was out in Southern California and a state citizen kind of guy. I, I, I met him at several conventions, even stopped in and saw him when I was out in California one time. I remember he, he had his house. It was between, 
you know, out there in L.A., you got the valley over here with one city and another valley, and then you kind of got to go over the mountains to connect it, a little mountain thing. Well, he lived in that mountain area between two of these valleys. He'd been there a long time, and he had a house, and as he got into all this law stuff, he decided to build him a law library. And uh, but there was a big tree there that he didn't want to cut down, and he built his law library around the tree. <laughs> I swear to you, he was a real character, and uh, uh, he was one of their students. Another guy from California, uh, uh, now Don Rogers. He was a senator, California senator Don Rogers, of great respect and renown. From was my impression. And uh, those were a couple of students that they had. Uh, 1,200 of them paid to go through the course, and I was the only one that's taken this information further. One out of 1,200 that were there and paid money to go through it. Now, granted, most of those folks were there because they had a tax problem. So their motivation was what I call rear-end motivation. Mine was a suction because I was just looking for knowledge and information and truth like some of you here are in that situation too. And uh, I think that's the reason that I was, the only, I, I was the only one that was ultimately really looking for an answer. They were looking for an answer or an IRS problem. And unfortunately, John and Glenn's, and John to his grave, his total passion was the tax movement. And he kept thinking and, and hoping that if he could get his complex very, very, you talk about foreign. You think this stuff's foreign to us. We're talking about the 14th Amendment. He's going back and talking about statute staples, writs of extents, Sierra, fascists, all this stuff that, man, you, you don't have any idea. There's no reason you should learn it, okay, except that you got to make the connection to the old system so you could see what they've done. So then you're going to get motivated to rise up and talk to your congressman about the system. Well, that ain't never going to happen. Okay, and unfortunately, that was John. John, he was kind of like in that respect, Don Quixote. He was out chasing that windmill. So what we've done is taken it to the next overriding level, the big umbrella, the big tent, if you will, that everybody can get under simply, individually, and you don't just have to worry about the tax system. You can sever your all that crap, all of it, with the exception of two Sections of the Internal Revenue Code 871B and 877B, which there's a great probability you'll never in your, the rest of your lifetime ever have any obligations under those two sections of the code because they're constitutional. So that's your only adherence to the system should you plan to do this. All this goes back to this document I wrote on you know, three or four easy steps to remove yourself from their system. I'll change the title on it, but uh, the two pages is out there, proofread two or three times, and I think pretty tight and in a final enough form to announce it and get it out there. We're about to have a website for the show, and I, I think there's some, some changes that are going to be in our future. Don't know how near-term, long-term, but I know Paul's working on some stuff, and there's some other stuff working here behind the background, and uh, who knows what can come out of all this, but we're, we'd like to uh, focus, you know, like a laser beam, you focus the the beam a little bit and get it get it tighter, and I think that's what in, in a 
kind of an analogy that we're trying to accomplish. So uh, those are two things I wanted to cover, or three things I wanted to cover, wrapped up a couple of them together. Does anybody have any comments on all that? A number of folks on the board here this morning, and I've just been kind of running my mouth for the first 30 minutes or so. Who's, I'm curious who Monkey Monkey Boy is. Well, Roger. Senor, me <coughs> viejo amigo, senor white rabbit. It's a great graphic. Yeah. yeah by the way, that uh, quote you were talking about uh, regarding lighting brush fires in the minds of men, uh, brush fires of freedom, that was Samuel Adams. Yeah. I so it was you, were, you were right, Roger. It was somebody on our side, uh, although he did push through the alien and sedition laws. Uh, what a, you know, what a, what an odd paradox that a man that fought for freedom would pass laws that uh, prohibited the criticism of government officials. Well, uh, hypocrisy starts early. Yeah. Well, you know, we all have blind spots. That's that's the problem. Joseph Sobern wrote about that one time, and he said, you know, that I think I may have read that quote to you one time about uh, how Renaissance Italy was one of the most brilliantly cultured societies on earth and uh, in all times, uh, and and. Yet they allowed the castration of young boys right. so that they would have men with beautiful singing voices. They were called for obvious reasons, and uh, and and yet they thought abortion was terrible. We think it's a, a crime to castrate a young boy for to get uh, or to retain a beautiful singing voice. But it's quite okay to kill unborn children. You know, it's just we each have well, a different blind spot. Well, they're, hmm? uh, they're not persons yet, don't you know, Harvey? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a new a new creature, isn't it? A person. It's kind of like a, uh, a trans or, or something else, an, an, an invention uh, of the 21st century. Well, it's an invention uh, of merchant law. You, you've got this specific ID, a person, that's an entity to whom the law ascribes rights and duties, but under the 14th Amendment, you're not one of those until you're born. So as long as you're in the womb, you're fair game. Yeah. Do you know that, I mean, Brent yeah. Brent has got that's... a lot of good background on R.B. Wade and even talked to the, one of the justices, I forget which one, that wrote the opinion. And it's got a great story about that and his wife who used to travel with him when he did public speaking and shield him from people after the speech when they came up to ask questions. But that's the only case in the history of the Supreme Court. There's not one single precedent listed, and it's over 200 pages long. And why is it? Because they're, extra, they're finally cranking in the 14th Amendment after 1954 when they hid the other one real effectively. Don't forget, what did they do? 60 days. 60 days after Roe v. Wade. Now, have you heard me pose this question before, Harvey? What did they put? 
They couldn't wait. They were so anxious they'd been licking their chops for a hundred years almost. Yeah. Sixty days what after they- after Brown, they put in the nineteen fifty four Internal Revenue Code. Yeah. You said after Roe v. Wade. I'm sorry. I what you meant was Brown. Brown. I got you. Yeah, I was Boom. running everything through the database cranking. here. Yeah, you know, everything started cranking. Rock and roll comes along. Tavistock comes out in the '60s with the British invasion. All of the uh, the birth control pill and free love and everything else is piled on, boy. And we start corrupting the youth. Well, let's go back to the Kinsey Report, 1948. Yeah, that set it up somewhat. Uh, Have you ever seen that book by Judith Reisman? Uh, Actually, she wrote more than one book about about, uh, uh, our friend and pervert, uh, Dr. Dr. Kinsey. Right. Uh, Here's one right here just happens to be at my fingertips, called Kinsey, Crimes and Consequences. And one of the things she points out <clears throat> is that he has all sorts of data on how long it takes children to reach orgasm. Uh, wait a minute. How did you get that information, right Dr. Here. Kinsey? Well, you know, Kinsey's stuff was <clears throat> just a reemergence of what they had suppressed in Berlin when yep. this, the, the Nazis took over. And I saw about a 25-minute, I think I sent it out, Harvey, on Berlin in the 20s, and it was astounding where it was at that point and what a, you know, but then it was just kind of centered in one city. You know, hell, now they got the whole world that way. Oh, no, look, Roger, the, uh, the, the homosexuality as a liberation movement uh, people think it goes that it started in this country. Oh, homosexual rights! It didn't. Started in the 1870s in Germany, and it was started by a lawyer who insisted on changing the terminology from uh, sodomite, which was the common term for a homosexual, to a new word that he invented called homosexual. That was to shake off the negative stereotypes that they had so well earned. And <clears throat> and then when homosexual became tainted, they had to go to gay. You know, that was in the 60s, I think, is when that word popped up uh, and ruined a perfectly good three-letter word. They sure did. Now, and now, if you say, oh, that's so gay, uh, an expression that came along after my removal from popular culture uh that's that's now an insult gay is also an an insult now i wonder why it is that all the terms associated with homosexuality sodomy uh just happen to get tainted rather quickly in fact well it's the word maestros are quite good at using those little techniques to proffer their little agenda yeah uh, but anyhow, this is, uh, but then one back of the, to what I was saying, this, the whole abortion thing, which is detestable. I think all of us, 
uh, yeah. it, it, it hinges on the fact we're under the 14th Amendment, and when you're in your mother's womb, you're not a legal person yet. You haven't received the rights and the duties of the 14th Amendment because you hadn't been born. Okay, now normally yeah. when you'd be born, you'd be born with God's powers and capabilities that he intends you to be born with, but they've slipped a Mickey here at the front, and the minute you come out of your mother's womb, they divert you over into this other system, and then the rest of your entire life, they're sticking you with stuff to screw you up and sending you to schools that pervert your thinking. And you can see the outgrowth and outcrops of it as you look around today. And it's amazing uh, uh, to me. The further we go, did you see the black Princeton professor that said last week that classical music was white supremacist? See all that crap, Harvey? Well, over the weekend. Yeah, well, yeah it, I, I, I just saw the headline, Roger. Okay, I yeah, haven't I know, had. I know. Me too. Well, over the weekend, did you see the headline that he snorts heroin to kind of give him a lifestyle and work balance? Oh, boy. Well... Let's let's give him more heroin. Let him <laughs> yeah, o, give him some of that pure stuff. Let me see. Yeah. There's some new folks that have appeared here. Monkey Boy's with us, and whoever else. It looks like there's some new folks. And I always want to try and step back and say, is there anybody here new that's looking for answers for stuff or things that we can discuss that can clarify this uh, upside down Alice in Wonderland world that hopefully you're coming out of. Now's a good time to unmute and ask a question or make a comment, or if you want to start us off on another uh, tangent. Everybody's just listening. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a day for listening. Well, it is. Uh, There's a somber mood everywhere. I, you can feel it, you know. I can't even all the way down here. I'm. It's very distressing to see what's going on uh, with our Texas, uh, uh, boys out there and everybody there, um, saw five videos from different people trying to burn the snow and it, it, you melt it with fire and it wouldn't melt. It burns. Uh, evidently. The hey, same, yeah, yeah, there's honey. Hey man. Hey, what's going on? Well, uh, yeah, I heard you mention uh, Texas. I'm just listening in here today, trying to get caught up last week was I will put it pretty crazy, but at the end of the day, something doesn't smell right and some heads need to roll. I mean, it's just unacceptable for us to be shut down like that. I mean, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And now there's all the finger pointing the governor and I don't care if he's in a wheelchair. That means nothing. <clears throat> and he's pointing the finger at this ERCOT thing, which I didn't know anything about until it hit the news. But here in the state of Texas, we have a private corporation called ERCOT that is in charge of the entire power grid. And then they distribute electricity to separate companies or whatever. I'm not, I just started to look into it, but it reeks of a, a total. Well, you got product. here. Let me cool. add, let me add some color for you there, Brian. There's five members yep. and two of them don't even live in Texas. Say that again. There's five members of this regulatory board that you're talking about, and two of them don't even live in the state. Yeah, I mean it's just retarded. I mean, why is uh, why are if we have our own grid and we we're the energy capital of the country? Period. Why would we have any ever any issue? It just it's absolutely well, asinine. But at the end of the day, some heads need to roll. But at you know there's. 
there's over 20 something people that are that have basically turned up dead there's no telling what the final number will be but you know stories from young little kids freezing in their beds to just absurd you know stuff and it wasn't that big of a storm okay yeah we it got cold and you know pipes broke and stuff but what i'm hearing is that they are actually told they were forced to not be able to turn and uh, ramp up to the max energy output which would blow the doors off the off the grid we can produce so much energy but either the fed basically stepped in and said don't do it because of pollution or whatever uh, i don't know but man right. i, I know think, there's a lot of people outraged and think uh, this is punishment for the uh lawsuit that texas brought to the supreme court that 14 states signed on to I probably it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's, you know, there's probably dirty underhand stuff going on, but I mean, we're, I don't know, very disappointed in our state. Well, I notice there's an awful lot of people standing in line to try and get food. I, I, I hearken back. And those of you who have been listeners for a while may remember the lady that used to call into the show, occasionally Lynn, that lived out in the middle of nowhere, West Texas, that was on solar and raised wolves that was like 80-something years old. Remember her? Yeah, I remember. I was just wondering about her. I haven't heard from her in a long time, but, uh, you know, she's just one of the people I'm thinking, man, folks, and I'm sure she wasn't the only one, okay? Uh, so you know, the, the thing with some of the rural people actually have it better, I mean, because – one, they're on wells, right? So our water got shut down starting last uh, Sunday night, not this prior one, obviously, but we got the the storm started coming in, temperatures dropped, and then our power, our power went off at our house, but just maybe for an hour and a half on Sunday night, and then it came back on, but the entire time all the way up to Friday, they were saying that be prepared for rolling, you know, rolling, uh, it reminds me of the Enron deal out in California, to be honest with you, when they yeah. when they would do the rolling power outages. The forefront is that if you're not on a, uh, like, for example, here in Austin, the city of Austin has control of the power system here, and our rates are set. Well, out in the rural areas, and a lot of, I guess, a lot of other places in Texas I'm not aware of, have different... Uh, payment plans where it's basically a fluctuating plan all of a sudden they're getting billed for a thousand bucks i saw one up like seventeen hundred seventeen thousand dollars right i mean just insanity yep yep now don't forget here you know texas burns off or up to a few years ago they were doing so much oil production there's so much natural gas out there that they would burn it off, and that's why all the Bitcoin manufacturers moved over there because the, the key thing in Bitcoin is energy costs. Yeah, okay. yeah, they're trying to put stuff in place in Houston, and, you know, all the, the whole coastline is all refineries, but uh, there's a lot of new technology out that will actually turn that, you know, the excess into energy, but there's a big play on that to try to, you know, because it is pretty toxic. I mean, if you've ever been down at the Texas coast, it's, pretty nasty i mean yeah. some areas are you couldn't pay me yeah. to live down there but yeah. you know a lot of people work in that industry yeah. so yeah. if we get shut off or this green energy initiative you know it's uh, going to basically estimate texas i have a feeling the green new deal is is gotten greatly hampered by this uh i did see something real interesting though on one of our main planks jurisdiction this morning before the show, I was watching, looked over on BitChute, as I'm apt to do, to see if I can cull through all the 
all the peripheral stuff that's on there and occasionally find a nugget. And that's kind of what this one was. And it was a historical, relatively short video on Judge Roy Bean, the hanging judge from out there in Texas. And it's interesting, his uh, history before he got into that position, but when he was in that little town there, what he did was he, he finally, after getting in trouble in Mexico, almost got hanged. He, he, he did something, and they went to hang him, and they miscalculated the rope, and it was strangling him, and somebody cut him down, and he lived. But it said he wore those scores, scars around his neck for the rest of his life. <laughs> you may want to go catch this little video on BitChute. And uh, he ended up out in California, and he got in trouble out there, and then he ended up in Texas, in, in west, some part of Texas. And, and so right when the railroads were coming through, and he was smart enough to understand that the railroads had to have the water stations to produce the steam for steam engines. And so he went there and started a town around the watering spot and ended up being the judge. At one point, he um, put on a big prize fight. And they named the guys that were involved. And for some reason, prize fighting was illegal in the U.S. And I think it was illegal in Mexico. And so what he did was went down to the Rio Grande and found a sand island out in the middle of the Rio Grande because they didn't nobody had jurisdictional nexus over it and held the prize fight out there. And whoever won knocked the other guy out in 78 seconds or something. Kind of interesting, though, that there was some kind of a jurisdictional problem or a legal problem with having prize fights and that he found a neutral jurisdiction in the middle of the Rio Grande. I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe some of you didn't. I don't know. But uh, but let's see. So... Uh, I feel real sorry for the folks in Texas, and I'm seeing, is the snow still on the ground out there? I know Jeff said it was 55 right before the show where he lives north of Dallas. Maybe so. Is the snow melted? Or the, for what's the word to be snow? There's no yeah. snow. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, the snow is all melted. We're just suffering water pressure loss. Okay. We're, you're down around the Austin area, a little further south, uh, Brian. Yeah, I'm just west of Austin, out in the hills, uh, around Lake Travis. But uh, the water district is still, our water is fine, but all the, they're still under a boil water uh, thing. Like all the restaurants around, except maybe one in just a pocket in our water district is okay. But most of the, all the other restaurants are still shut down because of, uh, water boiling so take a look at this damage so you have all these people that are you know minimum wage workers restaurant workers right covid's already done enough damage then now there's basically a week and a half of uh people a living it's not a very pretty situation i'm sure and it's no that's what i'm saying heads well, need to roll including our governor he's he's okay. a piece of shit pardon my language but well, the question, uh, well, Brian, is this. Is this the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end? Um, Man, I think it's – I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really want to – Well, let's speculate. Yeah. Look, our enemies – It's been a, a, a really difficult time because of the regime that took over. I mean, it's 
it's from the very top down now there's going to be massive pressure to push this green deal and that means just turn on the financial news which i listen to a lot and it's all about um it's all about the green deal about basically electric cars i mean i even heard a thing this morning where they said in uh up to you know four or five years from now a diesel like most of the diesel output vehicles in the country right are commercial vehicles delivery trucks right yep that's the majority of all that well they're basically saying that in four to five years it, it'll be like somebody smoking a cigarette on a plane to see a diesel truck operating in a big city it's going to happen whether you know we believe it or not but everything's going to shift to an elect you know an electric um an electric infrastructure the writing's on the wall all the, all the new car dealers everybody everybody's moving to this tesla model but I don't know. I mean, I think people here in Texas will, at some point, uh, will get pissed off enough. But um, mm -hmm. as this ERCOT thing plays out and some, you know, some real investigations can take place, hopefully that'll well, wake people up. At, here's you know, the we, problem, Brian. I saw where somebody would, it, it took, they stopped with their Tesla at, at a recharge station. They charged them $99. Normally, I guess they charge them eighteen dollars for a recharge. Where does I that? I seem to think that that's sustainable what, right now. I mean, it, you'd have well, to have a complete infrastructure re, rebuild. I mean, where did that ener the, where did that energy that recharge their car come from? Did that come from a lithium battery too? Uh, I don't know. It depends on what. In a Tesla, they're just now moving to those, but they're way behind on. This uh, is my point. It takes the high, well, lithium is going to be out. It'll be hydrogen fuel cells is really what everything's going to. That's where all the big money's moving. Well, I know that there's also the, uh, what you got fusion and fission, right? And in fusion, cold fusion is where you don't have a, you got a lot of the reaction, but you don't have the explosion and you can produce energy out of it. Okay. And I, one of the necessary ingredients of that is I want to say plutonium and plutonium is a ultra small market and this guy that was a google engineer was doing research i saw a video on it a couple of years ago and he could get into google because he'd been a google engineer and went back and saw how the price of that metal has skyrocketing and he was talking about and he could dig up some old articles on that's what a lot of these big energy companies are researching heavily right now that's why it was spiking the market so interesting you know we got a even not as quite as obscure as plutonium but the silver situation is very very precarious right now and the reason is for the big industry users that have to have silver and generally buy it on the futures market and all of a sudden their manipulation scheme has got to a point where it's drained the silver resources physical metal evidently in england we heard that about at least a week ago okay and so the problem that they've got is how do you get it to a point where it doesn't trigger the big industrial buyers to all go in the market and start buying copious anything they can buy, and that'll shoot the price to the moon because that exposes the weakness. So we got all these things that are sitting right on a precipice, man. Bond markets, stock markets at all-time highs, 
manipulation schemes coming as far as they can press them to an end, people getting having to experience things like we're seeing and talking about in Texas and now up in the northeast because that storm's moved to the northeast and it's dropping funny snow up there too. It's not it's long strings of snow. Girl was showing a video on her car hood. Um so uh, there's weird stuff happening, guys. Roger. Samuel. Hey. Yeah, I just want to let you you Texans know that um, you know I follow Jim Stone and Jim's a ex uh, NSA guy. He says back when they wore the white hats, and he says that the Texan power outage was just turning off power plants. It was no shortage. And that it was an act of war on Texas, and Texans should stand up and put an end to it, or you'll end up like California. You know, um, I, I I agree totally. Like I've said, it had nothing to do with the amount of energy we could produce. I mean, we'd fry the grid if they turned it on high output, probably. But it was, and that's what I'm saying. I, I totally agree. Is that our hands were tied from this bureaucracy, this thing called ERCOT and whoever I don't know. But uh, like I said, heads need to roll. They need to investigate it. But I personally, and I even told my wife this, that it was a, another wake-up call to get the hell out of the city because I'd way rather live rural, be on a water well, and, and uh, develop my own through some solar and other things. But, I mean, to be sitting here, and quite honestly, I'm telling you, they were trying to scare the shit out of people in the news. They were saying that uh, ERCOT was trying, they put these two puppets up on the screen uh, you know, off and on throughout the day discussing ERCOT and how they were trying to lead us out of this, you know, this thing. But basically they were just biding time. And they said that they were, we were minutes away from literally a, a, a complete blackout, literally where the grid was going to be fried or shut down and it could be months, you yeah. know, without power. Catastrophic. Was, what are you kidding me? Real catastrophic situations. You were real close. Yeah, to yeah. that. I mean, if, if, we, if the grid went down for a month, I mean, you'd have you'd have a massive dot. I can say this: I live in a the entrance of our neighborhood. I went up there a couple times, actually, probably three times throughout the deal. I even rode a one day. It was snowing so bad, I rode a four wheeler up there just for fun. But I drive a four wheel drive jeep. You know, I could get around easily, no problem. There were cars everywhere because there's hills all out here. There were cars abandoned literally everywhere. Up near an apartment, there were probably 10 cars abandoned at the entrance of it going up this hill. And we went to the grocery store the very, let's see, on a Tuesday, I believe. It had been shut down Monday. Tuesday, it opened, and they were op only open for a couple hours. There was a, there was a line, probably 125 people out in front of it. That store was cleaned out in a matter of two days, literally cleaned out. Nothing, no milk, no eggs, no nothing. I mean, uh, and what was crazy is people were, you know, people just not prepared. One, we don't get that cold down here, but regardless of the cold, if anything happened, you know, it just showed you once again that if you're not prepared, you need to have at least three months of, you know, freeze-dried, storable food, something that you could maintain yourself on, backup water things. I mean, I've got enough water two 250 gallon tanks sitting in a you know in a garage that i did this years ago when i first met you roger like if the thing goes down i'm fine but everybody around us would be have, you know literally going you, berserk within a week have you checked that water recently checked my water that you've got stored 
Yeah, part of it froze. I went and took the cap off, but I'll drain it, you know, every periodically and just refresh it with new water. Good. But you might put a little Clorox in there too. Um, I heard Mike Adams over the weekend did a uh, one of his situation updates on, and he is a big prepper, as everybody knows. And he was talking about how the whole incident was so revealing to him because it proved and showed to him which of his systems didn't work as well as he intended them to or didn't work at all. And one of the examples he was given was on that right there, water. And a friend of his had stored water in plastic milk jugs in his closet. And they'd been in there for a long time. He'd not done anything. And Adam said, well, let's go over there and, and see one. And he said he took a sip and smelled it, and it smelled like uh, chemicals. And it turns out the guy, for some reason, had stored a whole bunch of these sheets you put in dryers you know, that are just loaded with toxic chemicals, evidently. And that that chemicals had leached through the plastic and into the water. So if you're in a situation where you've got water stored, you may want to check it. But I think this is a really good wake-up call for everybody, especially the ones that laughed at, at people that were preppers here over the last number of years as people have been getting into that mindset for catastrophes exactly like happened to the entire state of Texas. Did it screw with Oklahoma at all? Uh, Did Oklahoma have these same, same <clears throat> problems, Chris? Have you been in touch with any of your home, home folks there about this? Did they have big yes, electrical problems? Have. They had severe cold, icy streets, uh, snow, and all that sort of stuff, uh, much like Texas did. I don't know if they had the power issues, although I did hear that they closed, I think it was, well, maybe it was Texas where they had five of the uh, uh, panhandle uh, coal-burning stations clo uh, closed down. I heard somebody from Oklahoma talking about it on the weekend. However, the one thing I wanted to show, point out was uh, the conspiracy guy here may have actually been on point, especially when we're considering the burning snow, much like the burning water coming out of the faucets uh, in other locations, which suggests that it was not normal snow, but some sort of specially engineered snow in particular, and that the failures were obviously very strategically planned, Therefore, they were not normal occurring from deleterious circumstances, but they were actually manu synthetic manufactured crisis events to produce the special effects to create the dangers, hazards, and death-causing circumstances. Well, I would say I saw a website. We sent it, somebody sent it out last night, and there was five different video clips of just ordinary people you know, going, look at this. And one of them were used, they were using different implements of fire and whatnot, candles or whatever. The snow didn't burn. It just didn't melt and it got scarred black. Roger, uh, Dane Wigington's show this, this weekend, uh, he went through the whole thing and how it was created. And uh, they have a ice nucleation, um, uh, thing that they put in the, the trail to, uh, to freeze, but it uh, turns it into more of a slushy, sticky material, unlike real snow. Um, now they say when when this whole thing started, Abbott asked for four gigabit bytes of power to make up for the difference because of the temperatures, 
And what they did is they, according to Stone, they cut it 30 gigabytes instead of giving him four. Well, it may have been a slap on the wrist for all these upstart states like Texas and Florida and South Dakota and Wyoming, Montana, and some of those that just don't want to go along with the program. Yeah, I, and the other thing for people out there that may never see a, this stuff happen again, and the good thing for your for your traction is, and it's cheap, is a set of chains for your car, because or your truck, because yep. it uh, ice snow doesn't matter. It uh, it it's the best thing, uh, quickly put on, you know, and uh, doesn't cost you much. Yep. But boy, it it really helps you with the traction. Yeah, some of that fancy new technology, huh, Samuel? Yeah, <laughs> I've got sets of chains for my my big truck uh, for mud and everything. I can pretty much go through up and over and around anything if I have to. So uh, I wanted to see from Jeff and Brian, you guys have been around. Brian, you lived up in Idaho and Colorado. Was this normal snow like you're used to that fell in your area? See, they don't tell us on those videos what part of the state people are in. So you don't know if it was isolated to one area or if it was a blanket deal. And I was curious, was this like snow you've previously encountered in your lifetime? I'm not aware of any such properties of snow. Seemed normal to me. Okay. Brian? He must be listening to the financial report. Uh, could you, do you think you could ski on it? I saw somebody in Louisiana with a bayou boat running on it the other day. That was kind of funny. I don't guess they were. I had a propeller. On my back. They weren't. I know they weren't hunting ducks and they weren't fishing for redfish. <laughs> Uh, pretty unusual to see a swamp boat running along through the city on snow i have to admit uh according to Wigington, it's supposed to be extra slippery stuff really yeah well if it's got chemicals in it you can imagine it might have those properties well, it's got like a, uh, what is that thing? When you suck a fit, soak a fit, I mean, soap, it creates that uh, Put some oil slipperiness. On. Put some oil on that door hinge, Sam. Suffocant. I think suffocant. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway. The actual word is surfactant, saying it reduces the tension of water. Surfactant? And what's the definition again, Chris? It reduces resistance? Yeah, it reduces the tension of water. Whenever you have water and it's impregnated with chemicals and minerals and stuff, it has a tendency to be buoyant and floats things on top. In the gold mining industry, when we want to get all the gold to drop out and precipitate out of the matrix of the water, because it has a tendency to be sometimes coated with oils and other things, it floats on top of the water. So you put dishwashing soap in your recirculating sluice box to eliminate the water surface tension 
by adding a surfactant. I've learned that in the chemical cleaning industry related to sterilizer operations with some pretty astute engineering type people that taught us the chemicals of properties of cleaning and sterilization and to be able to have the proper water condition to precipitate it being able to be done so. Hold on, you might we might have to field a call from Tom Schramm and get a lesson on bubbles and surface tension of water. <laughs> That'd be okay. Tom's a smart guy. Yeah, well, so that's the, what he's been doing that. Even uh, Brent would know about that. You know, it's interesting his background in that area because he uh, he wasn't classically trained, but his father was an MIT uh, uh, chemist and taught him from the time he was knee high in a lab, and so he kind of grew up with it. But he's made a a career out of it his whole life and, and done pretty well at it, I guess. So, God bless him, man of his own means and uh, gone out there and over many years found a niche in a market and developed it and god bless you tom um roger i'd like to tell chris about the dr kelly incident all right go ahead let's go on over that you sent me an email about it i heard it go ahead oh you did you did yeah she she excoriated me and then called uh roger say less and then uh, she she praised you for your good information, not knowing that you're part of the whole group. Well, <laughs> so you need well, to. Kelly's a, she's a pretty good girl, and she's a former chiropractor, and she's a kind of a tom guy, boy girl, and you know I have great respect for her. But she did attack uh, Roger with a vengeance on her program. I think it was Saturday morning, and. You know, I, I've tried to explain to her that, you know, what we're talking about is genuine, and she tends to want to ignore it, not look at the information. I do know that she doesn't have access to a computer, but I tried to equate to her that the dual statuses and Downs versus Bidwell and the uh, Title Eight of the U.S. Code regarding the immigration statutes of the 1940 Immigration Act uh, has some language that is very operant on this circumstances, and if you don't know, but, you know, she's got a certain amount of information that she's operating from, but she hasn't bothered to look at the complete picture and keep an open mind that there might be some things that she may not be accurate about. Chris, you know, this is good for all of us to go back. Here's a real basic thing. Hold on, Samuel. Hold on just a second. Let me inject something, because I think this is a good solution to this situation that we just recently stumbled on is go to Wikipedia and put in citizenship of the United States. And the first two paragraphs tell you about the 14th Amendment, and the third paragraph tells you about state citizens. Show that to her. It's in Wikipedia. Ask her where what happened to them. Well, I sent her the matrix to read. I doubt if she spent any time of it. She just went ballistic. And, you know, she doesn't have an excuse as far as I'm concerned. She she could have been a little bit more open and called me and asked me some questions. But, no, she just gets on the air. And, I mean, she's also a rather disjointed speaker. Following her sometimes is like, you know, following a squirrel. 
all over the place. Um, I've gotten gotten pretty thick skin over the years about this, as I've come to understand it. And I just kind of feel sorry for the people that don't get it and uh, realize, again, how precious all of you are that, that see this and it strikes you. And even though you might not understand it, you know there's something substantive there and you continue to chase it to understand it. And then all of a sudden, one day, whatever it is that comes out of left field, bam, it all comes together, it seems like, with people. Okay. Well, she apparently, uh, you know, appreciates Chris's opinion, yet she doesn't know that Chris is one of the people in it. Well, Chris needs and, to tell her and explain it to her on the air one day and take her down like I took Deanna down. Let's start here, Doc. You're either free or you're a slave. Are there any other conditions you can be in besides those two? I would have called in if she was taking calls. I don't know if she just does it sometimes or never. But uh, anyway, that's where that ended up. Well, let me also add that she is far, far from the first person to mispronounce my name in that manner, too. (laughs) Well, she was doing it on purpose. Just being uh, a biatch. She was saying, Rogers, say less. Say less because she considered your opinion to be worth zero. Well, well, then I guess for the people that do understand something about it, she made a total fool out of herself, didn't she? Absolutely. I mean, just, but this, there's a new crew on RBN. There's this guy that is with Stat Miller and her, and they suck, they both suck up to Stat Miller. And uh, anyway. What can you say? Well, I not much can say. All I do is, and somebody asked me this. I had that question last week, and I, maybe we should go back. We got a somewhat of a drifting conversation here today. And one of the newer folks, I believe her name's Robin, said, "Well, what if, uh, what if you're you go through with what you're doing, and they come at you later on?" So, well, we all know what time it is, you know. I mean, up to now, they recognize this. And what I've taken away from all the years I've been messing with it is they can't do that without total force. Okay. Uh, Of course, they're starting to generate it and trying to develop it out there. But they recognize that they have limits of things they can control. Okay. Uh, I can answer that, Roger. This is Zorro. Hey, look at that who joined us here. How you doing, Z? I, could, I was waiting for the right I was waiting for the right moment. I could answer Good that. Good morning, question. Zorro. Good morning, Chris. Hey man, I'm glad you have you along. This was the first guy that ever responded to the first broadcast I ever did. Uh did you ever follow through from our last conversation and file notice with the attorney general up there? I have already done that at one point or another. I've filed notices with everybody, and again, I went through every court in the nation, and some assigned case numbers, some didn't, but the bottom line, to make it all simple for everybody, is that nobody ever responded to my uh, petition for writ of habeas corpus, and the courts never would issue any remedies, so then I went to... uh, my dad's friend Trump, and I asked him for a pardon, and his AG blew me off on some bullshit technicality, and then I went to the international court. What's that? Chris had just interjected something. Chris? 
Well, you know, here's my this was is me. what I overridingly say to people, and that's why the people that you can catch that either aren't involved already in the struggle, like Chris Zorro were, uh, and get this stuff filed and and get yourself separated and not be in this crap because both of you guys were into something along this this uh, uh, fighting with them line when you filed your affidavit in the first place. Yeah, but along the line, you know, they started a separate criminal case against me for littering my own lawn, and and that ended up, you know, going to trial, and uh, they, I was basically forced to go on parole, or what do you call it, probation, probation. and uh, so I, I came back after two months with what they wanted me to do done after spending $10,000, and the judge, I wanted to terminate probation early, and she wouldn't even look at the pictures and the evidence and said, well, they, they say you're still guilty, you must be, and then at the end of the six-month period, actually one week before the probation was over, my probation officer sold me out with an affidavit, and they, they said I violated probation, and that, that was like two years ago. And So they've had a warrant for my arrest now for two years, which they have not acted on or executed they're waiting for me to get stopped at i guess at a traffic stop but that's the only thing good about this whole plan pandemic going on is that everybody doesn't want to do any more home invasions or even arrest anybody for anything anymore so that's kind of put that but but the warrant's still pending and i can't get these criminals is what they are it's basically judicial terrorism under color of law i can't get them off my back no matter how many affidavits i file or who i send them to they just yeah, it's all, it's all just a gangbang. So I'll just stop talking. What do you want to well, say about you know, that? What can, what can you say? There is no remedy, you know? I know of nobody else that's been experienced anything like that in the 10-plus years I've been doing this. You're really an exception there. And, again, Chris, but Chris was already in the pot boiling by the time we got to him. Okay. But of all the other people, and I have no idea how many people have filed paperwork. Now you got people like Anna Von Wrights and all these other law little people that have their own courses and their own uh, forums, and they're charging people for their information, but they cherry-pick the remedy out of this. So I don't have any idea how many of these types of notifications they've received up there, but of the people that are in my sphere of influence – I've never heard one negative thing come back on me from people who filed the paperwork. Now, that may change this afternoon. I don't know. But over the previous 10 years, the only defense they've had is to try and send out a kind of slickly. Well, slickly yeah, but we may, be, we may be arguing apples and oranges. I mean, filing paperwork in itself, nobody's going to respond to that. But if you no. get involved in a situation, which, which in my case started with helping the elderly couple with the code matter, and if you get involved face-to-face -face with these uh, criminals and you try to stand up for somebody or yourself, then they just, you know, they start hitting you down and then they put you through their summary procedure court processes. And if you submit any paperwork, they just ignore it. And they just... They just keep pounding away. Well, you and know, that's again, really as simple as I can make it. Well, let, let me make it simple, too. You're the only person that's had these experiences in the 10-plus years I've been doing this. You know, Zorro, your situation down there is substantially similar to mine uh, in two different states, three different states, in fact, uh, Arizona, Nevada, and Oklahoma. 
And in fact, the language that the cops used in the front yard that day and their reports they wrote after the fact trying to cover their posteriors was that I was purportedly, supposedly having problems with code enforcement. Now, whenever you send code enforcement letters challenging their jurisdiction, they never proof it up. Like you say, they never answer. They just keep sending more letters. And this is the thing. These are all private for private profits, foreign corporations. They have no law. They're a lawless breed. They perpetually and habitually serially lie, fabricate false circumstances. And in the situation out here with me, they sent a provocateur out to try to provoke me to violence. It didn't work, so he manufactured false malicious police reports, put them into the record. That got me put on the terrorist watch list, and it's nearly got me murdered by egregious abuses of mass deadly force to date so far, and I'm working on some serious stuff right now to try to ameliorate that that has impact that I think could uh, have Supreme Court implications before it's all over if I could find some assistance. Besides, Zorro, you not, also not said about you. filing, you can file paperwork with anybody, and you're right. But when you file it with the Secretary of State and you do it specifically with a passport application, you can go in and monitor the progress of your passport. And in it, at least twice, they refer to the affidavit as citizenship evidence. And they're the head knockers, and the reason the State Department has that jurisdiction is because they issue passports, and they've got to know what the person is that they're issuing a passport for. And they specifically refer to the affidavit as citizenship evidence. And I believe the legal department at the State Department knows and imputes... Yeah, but whether you're in court, you know, so many procedure courts... Well, whether, you're, whether you're in court or whether you're doing it with the paperwork, you know, okay. I've been I've been in court in an oral fashion and demanded an immediate evidentiary jurisdictional hearing because that's where you're going to stop this insanity. And they just say no, and they just keep well the problem guacamole, guacamole, and then the if you problem, submit paperwork, they the, just ignore it. The problem so is you're that's in the way their, they deal with it. Your problem is you're in their court in the first place, and you're not that person, and those don't apply to you, and you shouldn't be there. They've got no jurisdiction. Roger, come on. No. If you you got the right at any point in time, even when you're in jail, to submit to contest jurisdiction of the court of the proceedings. You have that right. That's but right. they've just been they've just but been tutored now that, that if you if you bring that up they just say no and they just that's, hey, here's but, the bailiff, do what I say. Nobody and I've ever seen in the thirty years I've been in this that challenged jurisdiction at the local level has ever won it. Why? Because the overriding jurisdiction is the Secretary of State. He has all decisions final over all matters concerning citizenship. That's what the state of Florida, Secretary of State, wrote me back in a letterhead. I can't give you a letter saying you're a Florida state citizen. The Secretary of State of the United States has all final authority uh, over all matters concerning citizenship. Uh, that's fine, Roger. I'm not asking the court, when I'm dragged into court, I'm not asking the court to decide my jurisdiction. All I'm saying is they don't have jurisdiction over me That's in right. a civil matter that they brought at me. The only jurisdiction they have is under common law. That's really it, civil versus common law. And they won't even talk about that. 
They don't. All the, all the civil codes they're bringing into you are written for residents. If you're not one exactly. under the 14th Amendment. And they don't have jurisdiction, but they won't discuss. They, well, they've all been ever, tutored from the top down. Just blow the guy off, say no, and keep telling the bailiff to hit him over the head, you know? Have you ever brought in the affidavit that's on file with the Secretary of State to the courtroom like the 1837 case we got says? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And again, they're just going to ignore it and they're just going to keep you well, they just keep Okay, we're moving on now. We're moving on now. Motion motion denied, whatever. Well, I mean, that's, that's their story. And somehow this you got to really, not be in that forum. There's no reason they've got the ability to bring you into that forum under those charges for that other person that you're not. That's correct. The, these courts are all cruel trilemma star chambers, the old Sanhedrin or Sanhedrin, if you prefer. These are not American law courts. They're presumed guilty. They're private for private profits war courts, and they're committing war against the people and committing treason against the Constitution of the U.S. because they're not giving any presumption of innocent. They're presuming guilt instead, and that's not American law. That's foreign law. They have brought in a foreign jurisdiction. So, uh, you know, I don't know of any other way, Zorro, and as I've said twice now, you're the only person that I know of that's had these problems. Non-recognizing, continuing to prosecute, trying to drag you into their forum, even though you've got something on file officially, and you've got a passport and a passport card, if I remember correctly. You shouldn't even be in their forum. You hadn't done something right to keep them from not dragging you into that forum, is my opinion. But I don't know what it is. I'm yeah. not being accusatory, but I'm just telling you, in all the years I've done this, we've never had anybody else with any problems like this. I could only respond and say that I've, I've laid such a huge paper trail one way or the other, up and down, left and right, that they know that if they uh, allow any kind of decision in my favor that they know that it's going to get out as, you know, the, the ultimate answer, uh, yeah. civil versus common law, okay. the two different uh, citizenships, et cetera. And so they're just simply not going to let Here's it happen. Here's the way to you know? strengthen and they'll, our and they'll position. Just, they'll just keep the, they'll keep the warrant pending to uh, keep me at bay, so to speak. I mean, I'm, I'm still traveling around on my car and haven't been arrested yet, but... Uh, and when I do, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a new tactic. Next time I, I do get arrested, I'm just going to be totally silent. I'm going to force everything to be done in writing, both directions, and just be a total pain in the ass because that's the only way I could create a record that's going to hold up anywhere, you know? May I, may I uh, inject something here? Sure, Samuel. Um, I know that this is overlooked and considered maybe trivial at times, but I would pull everything out of the root system that i can and uh, at team law they're really heavy on the address because that's jurisdiction through the zip code and the abbreviation of the states etc and making them respond to a proper address just like your website you miss one dot or tittle you don't get it it's rejected and you might try that to get that's, that's jurisdictional. That's another, that's another somebody looking for something that's a jurisdictional nexus. It's a presumption of the one they stuck you with at birth. Okay? 
And as Chris has said on here, resident, res in law, R-E-S, means the thing. Ident should be identified with something to identify. Identify the thing. Now, we got somebody who's a retired postman on the call here. And I know and he knows that even though you go to Home Depot and buy that mailbox, you buy the concrete to put the pole in. When you install it, it's government property. The space inside is government property and untouchable. Yeah. You know, Roger, yesterday or just a few days ago when I sent those parcels out, I sent one to Dr. Kelly, and that was in an envelope that was already stamped. And I sent another parcel to Rick Wiles, which was quite a lot bigger. And um, I had it metered at the post office. As soon as the person at the post office metered it, she could not give it back to me. I could not put post it myself, drop it in myself. I could take the other letter and do it, but she would not give me that back. Uh, and I guess, I don't know, uh, uh, you, I guess you could open it up and put three pounds in it and, and send it off. I don't know what the reason was for it. Because you're interrupting their chain of delivery. Yep. Yep. Like the ballots were supposed to go through the chain of custody, same type of deal. If you send, for example, a post office uh, registered, there's two colors of the stuff you buy and attach. One's registered and it's red, and the other is certified and it's green. And in the registered one is what they send valuables in. A lot of gold and silver uh, dealers use registered mail. And the reason for it is because everybody that touches that package from the time it's entered into the system to the time they deliver it has to sign for it. And it's delivered from post office to post office in a locked sack. And it resides, quote unquote, in a safe until another person signs it in or out. Yep. So, uh, so you don't very, need to it's use very that. strict where certified mail is not. So, yeah. and I was saying we were talking about the uh, step deal. The other thing is, Zorro, uh, if you're still on with us, maybe one of the options for for this happening to not happening to other people is more and more people get aware of this condition and follow through, and the more people that do, the stronger we get. Okay. Does Zorro have a driver's license? No, he said he drives around without one. Right, Zorro, you've. Uh, after after everything went down, my my dad wanted me to get one, and so I went and got one. But I signed it VEA, all rights reserved, and all that. You know, could cover my ass crap, and so I got one. But you know, I signed it properly this time. So. Well, you know what happened to Jim Ram? Follows me on this network is a retired cop up in Ohio has been through the process, has filed an affidavit, and he went and got a driver's license with UCC 1-207 or whatever the current thing is they call it, and they issued it like they did to you. And two, three weeks later, somebody from the state was parked in his driveway and said, we can't let you have that license and made him change it. So if you've gotten away this far with that, you're probably ahead of the game. Yeah, I guess it's written small enough on the, uh, the fine print that they – it's like I signed VEA when I was in the um, in the court courtroom, and they're going through all the um, 
probation stuff, you know, that, well, you agree to this, you agree to that, yeah, yeah, V-E-A-B-T, 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 I'm under force of arms, and they're really idiots, they didn't even know what I was doing, and they let it all go through, I just wanted to get out of there and go home and start by filing the appeals that, and the petitions for rid of habeas well, corpus, like, but of course none of that worked well, anyway. I'm going to tell you what, you want to do everything you can to avoid the mess that both Zorro and Chris are in, because that ain't no fun, and even if you win, they've stolen your life to get the win. Yep. Hey, Raj, can I interject? John Cassarab here. Hey, John, good to see you, man. Yeah, please jump on board. A quick quick uh, rehash on how I handled the uh, driver's license issue here in California now. Remember when they asked me if I was a U.S. citizen, I said no, and it changed from resident right on the computer to mailing address. And then when I, when I signed the paperwork, because I insisted on having a paper document, when I signed the paperwork, uh, I signed it, I just initialed it, and then I put uh, U period, D period under duress 1-308. And I still have a license to this day with that situation because I'm not a U.S. citizen. Huh. Uh, the other thing is is that uh, I went. I wanted to give you a report. I went to the Healthy and Free meeting up in uh, Pasadena uh, yesterday and had some really nice interactions. I met some people up there that are very interested. Uh, Peggy Hall with Healthy American absolutely does not want to hear anything about being a national and i uh, got into it with her friday night the night before um and it's because she just doesn't she doesn't understand she's running her mouth about how she's going to sue everybody and she's going to change this and i'm not following the constitution they're not following their oath and by god we're going to go get them <laughs> so we're letting that happen in the meantime um, John, go back and show her. Did you know? Use the that citizenship of the United States in Wikipedia and show people the paragraph on state citizen. What happened, well, Raj? Raj, I am sitting in a restaurant with about you know another couple hundred people with no masks and everybody having a great time and drinking beer and it's yeah. so loud I can yeah. really talk. Yeah, I know, but I mean later, put that in front of somebody and use I'm it. Not, That's a powerful tool we got from Wikipedia of all sorts. Uh, let me finish the deal here, man. Okay. So people people around here are working with me, you know, and then one of them is there. Now I have an appointment with uh, uh, the the company up there, the pizza company up in Ventura. It's a pizza cookery. And they're being attacked by local officials, and they're very interested. They've heard something out on this, and uh, we got an appointment on Wednesday. We're going to be going over um, everything with them with the uh, – matrix document and i'll be playing a portion of your radio but there's also somebody else up there that's actually going through a process of setting himself up as a national who's very interested wants to learn more uh, i ran into a young lady yesterday mother who was naturalized who um is is in the medic industry and she's very concerned about her son and the vaccines and all of that stuff. So I started talking to her. She's really excited about knowing who you are and your radio show. So we gave her all that information. Met another fellow, a Jewish guy, who um, was joining our group because he was associated with a group of guys uh, down in uh, L.A. Um, who he said he just he just couldn't tolerate because they were so so left of center that it just it was just too much for him. And. Uh, he wanted to know what he could do about it. So then I ran into a couple other guys, another, and he also is a, is a gold and silver guy, which I'm not. I'm a, I'm a Bitcoin guy. So we had some conversation about that. We'll be talking more about that. Another fellow there is a technology guy who uh, we got a lot of discussions about Bitcoin and stuff. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. 
they're getting they're getting overwhelmed with all of the other stuff that comes around. They don't understand the sacredness and and specialty of Bitcoin compared to all these other altcoins, DeFinance, and all that kind of stuff. So listen, I'm telling you, things are really progressing pretty good out here. We're getting more and more people interested all the time. And uh, it's all because you know, carry that document with me. And uh, every time I get the opportunity to open my mouth when somebody complains about something, I says, hey, there's a, there's a way you can handle that. You know, and then we're into a conversation. So you got to carry that document with you. And you got to you got to swing the bat as many times as you can. Yep. And you John, John getting, what, what document are you talking about? This, the, Brian? The, the Matrix what, document. What document? The How to Escape the Matrix that I wrote a couple we went rewrote re I wrote with a lot of help a couple of weeks ago. Have you got a copy of that yet, Brian? No, I, I wasn't even aware of it. How okay. do I how do right. I find that or well, you know, email I, it to me? Yeah, we both changed email addresses. I could if I had your correct one. Why don't you send me an email to Radio Ranch at mail dot com, please. Radio Ranch, all one word at mail m a i l dot com. And okay, I'll send you I, both I, I of them. Send you one right now. I thought I did, but I I just sent you one. Okay. Now I explain. I explain when I'm giving it to them. You know, quickly. The, this is I hit two points. Is right off the top. I say, look, can you can you agree with me that there are only two statuses? You're either free or you're a slave. You agree with that? Yes. And I said, all right. Now let me let me ask you a question. Are you a U.S. citizen? And they say, well, yeah. And I say, well, let me let me show you what they're actually asking you. And I go right to the resident question and and right to the citizen question, and said, were you aware of that information? No. So then I tell them, this is a summation of a of a book that you wrote. It's a two page document. You cannot understand it unless you listen to the audio. There is an audio that goes with it. And I have right I. Modified the document because I said that there's an audio and you need to send me an email to request that audio because I want to build a contact list, right? So then, once they send me an email, then I send them uh, the link to download the thing. Now I got I got their name, I got the address, I got a contact list, uh, uh, and I'm I'm very convinced that it is just if we just begin building a crew of people. Who don't want any interference on their guns. They don't want any. They don't want somebody forcing them to have their arm jabbed. They don't want their kid messed with. Um, we can take this these countries over. We can take well, it back. I know. I know. You either got to have a lot of money, which we don't obviously have, or you got to have a lot of people. And we don't have that yet, but we've got the capability to get it, and the situation is lining up where people are more willing to listen. And I yeah. think John, any conversation, I you start out with this, is you always start out with that agreement. There's only two political statuses, one if you're free and one if you're a slave. And take it from there however you feel comfortable and you feel like you've you pioneered and feel, uh, like I said, putting in front of people. You know, but I make sure they understand that this is not a, a magic thing. Don't, don't you dare sign up and say you're a national and you don't understand this stuff. Right. I got to go. I'm sorry, guys. All right. We'll see you, John. Thank right, you bye. for Give me your efforts. Chris, you got the floor now. Well, I was trying to give John some assistance. I can't remember her last name or first name. I think it's Peggy Hall. She's the natural American. She is an attorney in California. She's a freedom and liberty gal, and she is doing a lot of 
anti-mask legislation out there and the using the public accommodation clauses so on and so forth she's being very effective and they have a duty to provide accommodation to anybody that has disabilities and that they can't force a mask on you that's useless that does nothing under these pretextual emergency things but the natural american is a great website that california people explicitly would be interested in well hopefully she'll come around i didn't I, john didn't say she was an attorney but listen she wouldn't be the first attorney that hadn't seen this when it was right in front of them hey daryl i hear you sighing. i know you've been there for a minute what you got for us roger um well, i've just oh i'm sorry i've just i was just listening and off and on through the whole show uh yeah, Peggy Hall is compartmentalized. Uh, not to say that she doesn't have uh, uh, good intentions and her best interests, and is maybe be, even being effective in some categories. But she is highly compartmentalized, and and when you're compartmentalized, uh, you're not integrated. You have a disintegrated understanding, uh, and she specializes. Now, the other obvious thing about human behavior is once you think you figured everything out you don't learn anymore and this is the problem that we all have and we all have to be conscious of it so we don't fall into that trap because i guarantee you there ain't a single one of us sitting here on this call or listening that's got this all figured out well that's Not why one we have us. the Darryl, no that's one. why we have these programs to discuss things like that so right. we can all learn together and sharp steel sharp right. steel so uh, exactly, uh, and you know it's the it's the old rat poison analogy. It's it's not what you have right that's killing you. It's what that that one percent of arsenic in there that kills the rat. So, uh, you know, I was listening to uh, Zorro, which is an interesting handle, and uh, you know it occurred to me I was listening to him talk, and it it sounded a lot like part of the part of the uh, behavior that was associated with uh tom tram and his son yeah, yeah. in particular with his son's case and uh i actually had a little uh i, I have a, a fairly good understanding of what tom's going through with that having spent some time over there and having access to a lot of the documentation that tom graciously provided me and this this little this little uh, trick that they pull, uh, procedural trick, and it's called silent judicial notice. Yep. And uh, the uh, well, they they like they like to pull that out, and of course that's their temple courts. But it it also occurred to me uh, as I'm I'm trying to as I'm listening to these things, and I I try to keep the big picture in mind, guys. And uh, Chris brought it up, but there's. We're in a state of tyranny, obviously. Uh, no kidding, Daryl. Yes, we are in a state of tyranny. And all the grievances in the Declaration of Independence have become manifest in present time, this very day, this very moment going forward, and will increase. Here, and here. The, two that, the two that seem to uh, come to my mind uh, as applicable to this conversation today is that... Um, uh, are, are these two. He has obstructed the administration of justice 
by re refusing his assent. No, that's the wrong one. I got here we go. He this is one. He made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount of payment for their salaries. And then the next one, the very next one is he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Well, this is what the statutory citizen is subject to, uh, literally subject and resident to, uh, uh, administrative uh, tyranny uh, through uh, th these agencies. And uh, so the courts... The courts are, uh, they are what they are. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of ways that cause this can be articulated, but the, the common person has to know that the only way that you will have any reprieve from any of this going forward is, is uh, to, uh, as best you can, uh, modify your behavior. <laughs> there's some things that you do that get you involved with them. And if you have a family or yourself or people you're involved with that are misbehaving under their terms and conditions, they're going to drag you into it. So you have to take that in consideration. Um, and but the, uh, the the tyranny will will absolutely is going to increase, which is just a, a foregone conclusion. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. Um, and the the only people that are going to receive any benefit from what we try to do here is a remnant. This is a small group. It will never be a majority. Uh, and uh, I don't believe so. I don't, I don't see how that's if we possible. Could get, if um, we could get 10 to 15%, Daryl, we'd have overwhelming numbers. Well, so I, 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 would, I would probably agree with that. I'll just, I'll just finish my comment by saying this. Uh, because I tend to you know, I try to look at the big picture and demographics and uh, timelines and how things come together. Um, we're, we're kind of a, a demographically an older group here. I don't believe we'll see it in our lifetime. Well, probably not. You know, okay. there's an this old is saying, why it's so important. There's an it's so important to train the young people. There, there's an old saying I've heard since I've been around this stuff for 30 years, and it says, make a tyrant act like a tyrant. And in yeah. essence, that's what you're doing by forcing this. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, prop, the the probabilities that all of us here will be dead and gone before this uh, ever becomes what it was supposed to be, if it ever does, I think that's pretty. I, I would, I would, <laughs> I, I would wager on that. That uh, the road there, and there is no going back. The only way through this is forward, and we're going to have to. Uh, uh, pick our battles, and you're you're gonna we're gonna win some, we're gonna lose some, and uh, there's gonna be casualties, literally and figuratively along the way, and this this is to be done for future uh, your children and your grandchildren's generation. If you this is this is what needs to be the mindset, I believe, and it's a it's a more of a selfless mindset where you. Uh, drop your fear and you start doing what's right for your children and your grandchildren and even if you don't receive the immediate benefit yep so that that's yep. going to take courage it's going to take courage and 
it needs to start right there. It needs to start right there. Hey, Daryl. <laughs> yeah, Bob. Yeah, you know, you're reading that about the judge being dependent on, in this case, the king. Obviously, impartial judgment is rendered by somebody not beholden to anybody. I mean, that's evident on its face. So what we've effectively got, if you have a judge who is dependent on the state or the king, which in our case, the king is the state, in our case, I mean America, uh, United States Corp, you effectively have rendered him an administrator. Correct. And very appropriately, they are administrative tribunals if they are not, you know, a constitutional court. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. I'd never thought about it that way. Uh, yeah. Kind of. Well, you know, the, the common man. Present state. Yeah. The, 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 the cornbread, the cornbread explanation of that, Bob, is, you know, when, when, when Jim Bob says, I think there's a conflict of interest here. Somebody's got a conflict of interest. Well, that's, that is the epitome. These, these administrative, municipal, judicial, whatever you want to call them, you know. Uh, these places that Zorro's going into, being drug into, where Tom is at, uh, these these are all uh, conflict of interest. Uh, they they have a conflict of interest. So, uh, are you an impartial trier yeah. of facts, or are you a party to these actions? I mean, that's I the think question. I heard that somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, I also wanted to add, Bob, on your point. Remember, Brent uh, uh, told us about this one day. And I forgot whose book it was that he was quoting, but in the old days, they used to get judges and appoint them from private practice. And over the course of the development here, they now pick the majority of judges from inside government, reinforcing what you're talking about. Yes, and that's another point I forgot in in my talking was the simple fact that when the government is bringing you, whomever you might be, the, the individual, when they're bringing you up on charges and the guy presiding is paid by the government, there's no possible way to be impartial. It just can't happen. That, that's why you never get Maybe a jurisdiction. That's why you never get something settled on jurisdiction at the base levels or even at the appellate exactly. levels. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Roger, Roger, sure I, I, I stay out of it. Same. Roger, I'm on it by Brent. I, I said that, that Straight went in there, and he said that, one, he doesn't stand for the so-called judge, and, two, he addresses him as administrator <laughs> Brent didn't like that. He should show respect, and I'm sort of still caught in between. Well, Brent, Brent doesn't. Brent doesn't think he needs to file an affidavit either. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I think if you give him jurisdiction by standing and addressing them as a judge in a way. Here's what I see. If you if you get this information we're talking about and you don't file an affidavit with them, you're doing nothing but allowing them to continue with their strength. That's the way you de-strengthen these guys is you got to take it away from them. And I would mention this Afrahim v. Rusk case because I've still got it open on my browser and I keep stumbling over it. And that was a case where a guy who was a Polish Jew was naturalized, then broke the rules where they should have been able to take his rights away from him, his civil rights, 
because he voted in an Israeli election and got caught, and it went to the Supreme Court, and they said we can't take his rights away. Well, why not? Because they're voluntary rights. He volunteered into it. It's always your choice, and they can't go in and take voluntary rights away from you. That's why. You've got to volunteer yeah. them out to get out of it. So uh, here's, here's a really simple uh, idea for people to keep in mind so that they know where they're at and who they're dealing with. Any any law or statute or what they call law or statute, which it may or may not be, code regulation that requires performance, that requires performance. See, the natural law doesn't require performance. Uh, laws, laws under Article Three, the original Constitution, uh, that that body of law does not require performance. There's no part of it in the Bill of Rights that requires performance. These are all performance-based requirements, and then you know if they're being required performance that you're under this municipal administrative uh, uh, legal. Yep. Uh, concept compelled, and that's and that's compelled yeah. to perform so hey just a note guys on sir Faxon. working with uh forage that gets dry and rotating shelves and bearings we always carry a water fire extinguisher that's charged up with air pressure and while it works as water, to really make it work, you've seen them. They're the silver stainless steel cylindrical uh, with the rubber nozzle on them, the rubber hose. You always they got about four gallons capacity, three or four gallons. You want to put in just a tablespoon, sorry, teaspoon of soap, just common dish soap, and it will break the surface tension, making it much more effective to penetrate a bunch of dry tinder and also in agriculture all of your big sprayers where they use water primarily as their uh carrier for the chemicals yeah they will use a surfactant so that it will penetrate the cells of the plant not just beat up on the surface okay so, yeah. well, there's your surfactant lesson for the day <laughs> Um, just about at the uh, about at the end of the show here, um, I was going to get into uh, into another system that's real secure on communication. Maybe we'll save that till tomorrow. I have a feeling we're going to be utilizing it more and probably integrating it into the soon to be announced website that we're going to put up additional for the program. And like I said, there's some pretty exciting things happening behind the scenes, and we'll see how quickly or to what level of fruition they come to. But it might help us be a little bit more effective. Um, so uh, that, and if you want to request the how to the steps on filing an affidavit to go along with the matrix document that you could give to people, just drop me an email at radioranch at mail .com all one word radio ranch at mail.com and i'll drop you that document uh and other than that anybody got anything else to bring up here towards the end 
Yeah, as, as far as being alive, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm taking the Bible up on the 120, so I'll tell you how it's going in another 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure what all that meant, but good good for you. You know, the uh, all this is, is I don't have a ministry per se. I've got a political and a legal show, but it always takes you back because there's always a spiritual connection. And it doesn't matter to me which road, which path, which trail I've chased over 30 years chasing rabbits down rabbit trails, but it always ends up there at the spiritual base of this. And I feel sorry for the people that didn't have that instruction when they were young, maybe, or that don't have the ability to put those things together. Uh, But uh, there's some folks that don't, and uh, pray for them. Roger, it was in the Bible, it's it's 40 years for yourself, 40 years for your family, and 40 years for God. I guess most people die early because God knows they're useless and they have no work for him to do. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. You know, I was thinking on that. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, that little 20 or 30-minute video on the bombing of the King David Hotel. And in the when the bombing happened, they had some old footage, and they were interviewing this Jewish guy, and he said, well, they're just trying to get the Messiah to hurry up and not have to wait for him. There's Reformed Judaism right there. That's Zionism. They're just trying to hurry up and get the Messiah to come so they don't have to wait for him. That's the whole game right there. That's what we're dealing with. Their messianic age, when they own everything in the world, and they all have 200 of us as their slaves. That's their messianic age. For, like Rabbi Weiss, Stephen Weiss, the big rabbi 100 years ago said, the Jewish people are their own messiah. They're their own gods. And they're their own gods when they get to this messianic age. That's what's happening. And what else is happening is other people are whistling along with our traditional whistler that signifies the end of our two hours together on a daily basis. I hope you were able to get something out of the uh, diverse discussion today and some of the important things we covered. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow to do the same thing. We'll see how many other of Trump's Supreme Court lawsuits get denied certiorari as we go through the rest of the day. And uh, I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for uh, joining us. Samuel, is that, I think that little, can you stick your mute on and see if it cancels that tinny sound? There's a tinny. No, Roger, I lost I lost my screen, so I don't have any control over it. Okay, all right. Well, we'll try it again. Anyway, there's yeah. our uh, there's our closing stuff. So uh, thanks for joining us on two 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 one, and we'll see you about two two three two one tomorrow. Have a good one. If I can get this uh, volume up a little bit, there we go. You need to change phones, Samuel. You and Chris, maybe you and Chris could go and get a on a buddy plan somewhere. <laughs> I'll see y'all tomorrow. My-